Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, I have to lead off with this because it's too good not to. Our last episode, you remember we said Florida had one commitment inside the top 175. Mm-hmm. Their second highest ranked commitment was Clinton Burton Jr. was being the key word there, mm. who was who was ranked 176th at the time of the recording. He's 175th now, but that's besides the point. Brad, he decommitted while we were recording. <laughs> and not only that, oh, that's not even the good part. He decommitted and flipped to Boston College. Oh, geez. That is not a joke. Dan Mullen lost the second highest ranked commitment in his class to Boston College. And they have a brand new head coach because Adazio's gone. That's yeah, I, don't, I couldn't even tell you. I could not tell you who their head coach is. I could not. I don't know that. <laughs> I didn't even know Florida losing a player to Boston College was a thing that could even happen. I figured it's like volleyball or women's basketball, maybe. But <laughs> I just um, I just assume they spent like their entire recruiting cycle battling Rutgers and UMass for players. Is that not the epitome of it, though? It's like Florida's so just stagnant right now that they have a guy that is currently now moved up one spot to qualify for our standards of 175th or better in the country. Mm-hmm. And while we're knocking them, he literally f- changes his commitment to a school that you would have never guessed. So yeah. if uh, I was a high school football player and my only offer was Boston college, like literally my choice was play for Boston college or retire I'd consider it. I would consider not playing football anymore. Like I would almost rather pay student loans and like drown in debt and just go to school where I wanted. I mean, that's maybe like walk on. You think, yeah, it's like every time you think you, uh, you hit your lowest point, you haven't. So, <laughs> well, I just had to bring that up. Thought it was funny. Well, um, I mean, it's just crazy. He didn't even, you know, put a top six out while he was committed. He that's true. Went ahead and left. He just flipped, man. <laughs> uh, speaking of Dan Mullen, the SEC announced that it'd go to a 10-game conference schedule this season, and Alabama will add Vanderbilt and Florida. Now, I know Florida should have a good team this year. That that should maybe compete for the East, and and this makes the the schedule a little tougher. But from a recruiting standpoint, if this goes down and there's a season, I cannot think of a better time to add them. Right? Oh, I hope they have at least recruits on campus at that point, so they can witness it. Just when Alabama's coming in, in into their state and taking so many prospects, this, this who they've taken arguably the state's top three receivers at worst three of the top four one of the top tackles in the country five star and a top 50 overall player in the country in dallas turner yeah that's like an annual resume though (laughs) yeah yeah, for sure doesn't this give nick saban a chance to kind of make a statement step on their throats oh for sure you know he gets georgia too this year if the season holds all his major hotbeds for talents that he consistently year over year pulls from um, with solid in-state recruiting competition, he gets all that lined up right now. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's almost bigger than than just the football game because not not only the kids committed from the state of Florida, but the ones on the fence for this cycle and next cycle, it's a chance to to build on that momentum that they already have and give guys even more reason to leave home because perception perception is so massive in recruiting. Think think about, yeah, when you're 18 years old, how big, like, that one game can make such a difference. Oh, absolutely. And 
the fact that all you know at 16, 17, 18 years old is for most of your memory, Alabama has been this consistent juggernaut. Florida's trying to tell you they're on the way up. But if Alabama goes into Ben Griffin Stadium, beats the hell out of them, and you already got an offer, well, buddy, you probably are going to come off that fence on one side of it. Yeah, no doubt. Anyways, moving on, staying in conference, though, we did say in our last episode that Mike Leach's (laughs) historically awful recruiting ability would would be a a topic this week. And since we do hold ourselves accountable, and remember integrity and truth, so that's the number one goal of the RBR podcast. Thanks for carrying the weight. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I have done the research to back our claim. And the research sides with me. So first I want to ask you this, because Mm -hmm. recruiting kind of plays into what my answer to this question would be. Okay. Clearly, Mike Leach in the SEC West, from an entertainment standpoint, is perfect. Yeah. But on the actual football field, when the results from this hire start coming to fruition, wins and losses, is Mike Leach a success in Starkville? Oh, no. No, he's doomed to fail. That's what I think, too. No, well, you can't. It, see, coaches like him, to me, in my head when that was hired, it's not about the wins and losses. It's going to be, can he even, first off, establish what he is you know, going to need to do to score points in the SEC now? Because he's had the Big 12 defenses, he's had the Pac-12 defenses. Well, now you're going to be in the SEC West. So you don't have your quarterback you would like yet, but he did a hell of a job with Gardner Minshew the other year. You're going to come in here with the, arguably the consistently best defenses in the entire country year over year. And uh, the worst schedule you're going to play each and every year that you've had. <laughs> so that alone is the first hurdles before we even, you know, and I know it ends in the wins and losses, but to me, he's doomed from the start if we're going to just focus on the end result, because I don't even know if he can get off the ground, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree. I like I've kind of I went back and forth with this because at first my initial reaction was I thought, hey, that's a great hire for Mississippi State. And, and still today, I think regardless of how it ends up, if he wanted that job, they had to hire him. No, he – okay, so it's doomed from the start in a way, but it's a better hire than what was there on the sideline of Joe Moorhead <laughs> yeah, last yeah. year. So Yeah, no doubt. Even in Mike Leach's history, it hasn't all been positive, obviously, but he has taken two schools that are in the, the second tier of programs in their own state – Texas and Washington, and and had them both ranked relatively high on several occasions. Mm-hmm. And he's he is entering a somewhat similar situation in Mississippi where I think, and I could be wrong, but I think State is kind of second in line behind Ole Miss as far as like draw and popularity. Would you agree with that, or am I making that up? See, I'd have to defer to our Ole Miss friends because I honestly don't know well enough to say. It wouldn't okay. surprise me, no. Okay, well, but like this is a, a hire their AD had to make, but the more I thought about it, the more I've convinced myself that this, this guy is going to get bulldozed in the West, and recruiting is why. That's the first step as to why, because what is his reputation as a recruiter? Yeah, no kidding. I, yeah. I didn't even know, uh, you know he puts out a overall commitment list, anything like that. So I have some numbers. Okay. To, to prove that he is one of the worst, laziest recruiters in the country. His, <laughs> His last class at Washington State finished 56th in the country. So just for for perspective, remember last year when we were talking about how dreadful USC's class was? Uh Like it was historically terrible for USC. 
They finished 55th, okay, with only 13 commitments, though. And that was a disaster for Clay Helton, like a, just a uh. total disaster. Mike Leach's class at Washington State ended with 12 more commitments total than that USC Good class, Lord. and they still finished below them. <laughs> 12 more commitments and still finished worse than a USC class that only had one kid sign that was ranked in the top 350. I mean, what are they using those kids they're bringing for? <laughs> <laughs> How awful is that? Yeah. Yeah, because you can say, oh, well, no, it's development, though. you got to give them time to get on campus and all that. Well, um, there's not but like one position he ever develops that I see. So, Oh, he's going to recruit five. As far as there's two positions that he's going to – I wouldn't say he's not going to bring in the Bryce Youngs of the world, but he's going to get some decent prospects. He's going to get some decent quarterbacks. He'll get decent wide receivers. That's it. I mean, he has a better budget to work with now, too, and, you know, overall athletic department backing than he's ever had. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of sad to say since it is Mississippi State. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to write him off because I was like you, the initial reaction, um, I like the hire. I think they had to make that hire. But you start thinking about it more in depth, and it's like, okay, yeah. He's definitely going to have to have his three years to see if this thing's even going to get off the ground because uh, I would have zero expectations in terms of wins and losses. I know that's what it comes down to. Let's see if he can even get his system established there, get the people there he needs. Uh, I have more because when I dug into this, it was (laughs) there were some eye popping things. (laughs) All right. So his highest ranked class at Wazoo was 42nd in the country. He never had a class ranked above eighth in his own conference during his entire tenure there. Like in the last two cycles, he finished 11th and 12th, 12th being dead last in the Pac-12. And Brad, I don't know if you've paid attention to the Pac-12 lately. They don't necessarily have any recruiting juggernauts outside of Mario Cristobal right now. So how big of an indictment is that on him to be that bad, even compared to bad recruiters? If you need a visual definition of complacency and acceptance of that, here you go. He's yeah. fine with it. In his head, I'm imagining he's okay with it. Oh, he doesn't but, care. Yeah, for sure. Because you know, if not, he, he wouldn't have made it this long as a coach, especially after everything that happened you know, 10, 12 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, got another chance. So he's got to be fine with it because he knows he can still get enough out of it to retain a job. But if that is the case, let's say, that's not going to work at Mississippi State because they just got rid of their coach after one year. So, Yep. Washington State last cycle finished ahead of only 10 Power 5 programs in the recruiting rankings. Only 10 in the whole country. Jesus. Yeah. But this is – it's on topic, but it's not Washington State. When I went back and looked, this was surprising and just sort of worth mentioning because it caught me off guard. The lowest-ranked Power 5 school in recruiting was, not surprisingly, Illinois – but the second worst was who? Just take a guess. Miami. Anyway, same conference. Virginia Tech. Oh, wow. Yeah, 76th in the country. The second lowest ranked Damn. Power 5 school in recruiting last cycle. Only three players signed with them that were ranked in the top 1,000. What the hell? How, how insane is that? Wow. I, that, I have the wrong perception of the job Justin Fuente is doing there. Then. You and me both. Anyways, just thought that was worth mentioning, but even if you're willing, I think, to give Mike Leach the benefit of the, of the doubt and say, hey, 
It's Washington State. They're not going to sign top 10, top 15 classes, no matter who they hire. And that, that's fair, I would say. But even now, his class at Mississippi State is sitting at 42nd in the country with 12 commitments. Two of those are JUCO guys. Of the 10 high school players he has committed, six of them are not ranked in the top 900 players in the country. <laughs> uh, he was going to be good until he realized that Ole Miss hired Lane Kiffin because now you have all that pressure coming off your rival in state and you can't yeah. be complacent. You have, you can't get your ass kicked on the field and off the field when your only other competition is less than 90 miles away and they just hired the Sex Panther. Honestly, right now Ole Miss has less kids committed than state does. They have a similar star average. So, so how that ends up kind of remains to be seen. But look, if it comes down to those two schools, I think over time and just based on their recruiting histories, Lane Kiffin is going to beat out Mike Leach for most kids in state, in my he'll opinion. Win, he'll win nine out of ten times, and that's only because he wouldn't take the tenth. Those kids, before 2020, most of them have never heard of Mike Leach, period. But they have heard of Lane Kiffin in so many different ways. And not even, not even just Lane, like... He's entering the SEC West. He's he's entering the Thunderdome. This is the recruiting yeah. Thunderdome. Yeah, in it's a like region cars, and he yeah. doesn't have any type of the rubber on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> in a region of the country where not not only just his own division and own conference, like you add in Clemson and Florida State and all those guys, just a region of the country where recruiting is at its most cutthroat. So let me ask you though, what do you uh, what do you think the chances are that? He's actually on a recruit. He's popped the face mask on them like he did Lane Kiffin because I could <laughs> I absolutely know. see that before. <laughs> uh, I, I could see a Mike Leach in-home visit, which I know he, he can't go in-home right now. Yeah. I can see a Mike Leach in-home visit being the worst experience that any kid could possibly have during the duration of his recruitment. Yeah, I imagine when that, that meeting's over and he leaves, it's it's almost like you, you're questioning, have you had a stroke? Yeah, um, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> think of think about just his own division. Nick Saban, greatest recruiter of all time. In his own state, Lane Kiffin. The third, Ed Orgeron. Fourth best recruiter in the country, yeah. Yeah, Jim, Jimbo Fisher. They're, they're both considered elite guys. Even Gus. Like he steadily brings in classes in the top ten or around the top ten. Yeah, so, just they don't. They're always young though. So <laughs> yeah. So, but but really, who is he going to consistently out recruit in his own division? Maybe Arkansas, Vanderbilt. I know they're not in the division, but <laughs> yeah, they'll beat Vanderbilt out as far as the conference goes. Okay, yeah, and I don't even know about Arkansas though because they're going to start having a hell of a offensive line classes now. You know, by hiring Sam Pittman, if he's not going to develop defense, he relies on a quarterback. He doesn't use a running back much. What else does he need? Receivers and offensive line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sam Pittman has been considered one of the best closers in the game. For sure. He was like at worst a top five assistant in the nation when it came to recruiting at Georgia. Like he's mm-hmm. ten times he's in a different world recruiting than Leach is. The only thing that could give Mike Leach a little leg up there in comparing those two is that the in-state talent in Arkansas is uh, <laughs> probably exactly what you what about, you think about it is. as long as the attraction list is. So. Yeah. But as it sits right now, Arkansas is at 29th. So <laughs> Sam Pittman already has a better class committed than Mike Leach does. So uh, it's it's safe to say on paper, Mike Leach is going to have less talent on his roster than probably every other school in his own division, and mostly like mostly by far. But it's it's like in a way it's it's contradictory right now too for us to, to do this, just because 
that's been the case two other times that I know of with Texas Tech. You can make that argument. Yeah, but and but Mazu. but that that gap between Mississippi State and say Alabama or LSU, that talent gap is going to be a lot larger than it was at Washington State in the top guys in his division, like Washington oh, yeah, and Cal. There was no competition established consistently in Pac-12 yeah. then. Uh, and Oklahoma was really your major consistency at, uh, in the Big 12 back then. So, yeah. no, yeah. I agree with you there. Um, he is – there's not even an eight ball in the range of sight that he's behind. So he's that far behind. Yeah, and we'll wrap this up. But is he going to take a significantly less talented team with his typical Mike Leach defense – into Tuscaloosa or Baton Rouge and out scheme Nick Saban or, or is he going to out scheme Jimbo or, uh, you know, is he going to go into Auburn? Who's he going to beat regularly? That's a great question. Uh, those other four teams, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but he's I mean, good, dude, I'm telling you, he's one that always, always sneaks in and beats a damn team. He has no business even being on the field with. <laughs> well, hopefully it's not us at any point ever, but well, I'm, I'm open to the idea that I could be wrong here too. Like, I feel like I'm not, but I'm, I also know that I could be like, maybe, maybe he comes in and has that same success he's had at the last two stops and maybe it's up and down some, but he still puts together one or two of those special seasons he's had, you know, at, at his previous schools. But I think that's going to be tougher than it, than it was. Yeah, it's an odd fit though because he fits so much better with his personality at Auburn or something. But no, I agree, and I am glad we have uh, dedicated a whole episode to Mike Leach. I actually mean that, <laughs> not sarcastically. I mean, that's, uh, of the things that's on the bingo card of us talking about, that one wasn't there. So yeah, well, and it's been, it was entertaining. It was revealing too. With that, so uh, just quickly, I know he said that we would touch touch a little more on recruiting. So we'll move on to a coach who does not struggle in that aspect, Nick Saban. Brad, you'll not believe this, but Alabama went into the state of Michigan Mm -hmm. this past week. Mm -hmm. They landed the number one defensive tackle in the country, Damon Payne. Damon is a five-star top 15 overall player in the country. And Nick Nick Saban did not need a satellite camp to do that. Did he even get a commitment out of him? By having a prior home visit at all, that's a good question. He too. he he didn't he did he didn't spend the night with him. He didn't oh, have wow. a sleepover. You know the popular Jim Harbaugh sleepovers. Did the Vatican call this kid at all? It's almost like winning and development are important to a few kids. Who knew? Mm, that's crazy. I'm sure it's because Alabama's cheating though. So, <laughs> so I mean, uh, like, what's your recruiting pitch if you're Jim Harbaugh? trying to convince an elite prospect to choose your school right now over, over Alabama or any other elite program? Buddy, I don't even know how he has a pitch to an average recruit first off <laughs> and, and gets them because wh- where do you even start at that? Let's get some discount players here, much yeah. less the elite. And this isn't even the first time that you know there's been top-tier defensive talent. Um, he's, I know there was uh, that defensive lineman a few years ago. He landed, didn't finish career there. Yeah. Um, and what's your pitch here? Oh, well, Don Brown's great, you know, defensive coordinator for 30-plus years, always got good defenses. Well, Najee Harris would like to talk to you real quick. Yeah. Um, come, to Michigan and get, come to Michigan and get throttled by Ohio State every season. But here's the thing, though. We're going to finish second in our division now after doing it, you know, finishing third for the first time under Harbaugh. So we're, we're moving up. <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you pitching here? I don't get it. We got a, the best, most noticeable logo. Okay, yeah. now you got me. You're good. Come to Michigan and hope to get in field goal range every possession. <laughs> I yeah. Uh, yeah. 
But the, like, okay, the the Damon Payne commitment does put Alabama's class at second in the country with the second highest star average behind only Ohio State in both category, categories, who are probably going to be impossible to catch. But Alabama, as it sits right now, if everything holds, Ohio State and Alabama are going to be in a tier of their own come December, February. It's going to be those two and then everybody else, like in a distant, distant third and, and so on. You hate to see it. I mean, you really do because <laughs> at some point the dynasty is going to die. I, I don't know if they got the message, but these kids are signing up for a dead hope. Yeah. Uh, hey, if you say it every year, it's got to come true at some point. Well, that's the thing. Somebody's eventually going to be right, and God help us if it's Dan Wolken. But look, it's it's already just beautiful the fact that he is one letter different than Deron Payne, and mm-hmm. you know he plays the same position. He's he's a highly ranked uh, player in the country overall. We go into Michigan's backyard virtually, actually via satellite. We go into their backyard and yeah. steal him. A reason for the dynasty ending is not going to be the offensive line. I do know that. No, no. Uh, I know we talked about Kadarius Callaway, Devontae Smith in the last episode, two guys who, who look like they're going to get bumps in the rankings in the future. But a group that looks to be ranked appropriately hmm. is the offensive line class. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at those, Brad. Uh, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, and, and they still have to sign. But on paper, Nick Saban and staff could be putting together the best offensive line class in the history of recruiting rankings. Wow, that is interesting. Yeah. I, I hope so, because I think you can make an argument for Nick Saban's best class he's had overall, uh, and also Georgia's a couple of years ago, too, as mm-hmm. – one of those being the best in college football history, recruiting wise, oh, plus yeah, as, yeah. you know, oh, post. Yeah, on, on paper, it definitely was. Yeah, I agree. So I love it. Please go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's just quickly go down the line of, of these guys committed right now. As it sits right now, they have Tommy Brockermeyer, five star, number one offensive tackle in the country, top five player overall. They have JC Latham, who we've talked about. He's a five star, top 20 player in the nation. He's currently the fifth ranked tackle. Overall, but there's a lot of talk from national analysts saying that J.C. Latham could push for the the top overall recruit in the nation, depending on this season. So there's a more than good chance Alabama is going to have the top two tackles in the country committed. Then at guard, can't forget about guard. There's Terrence Ferguson. He's the number two overall guard in the country. He is a top 50 overall player in the country. And lastly, there's James Brockermeyer, the brother of Tommy who's the number one center in the country and top 200 overall. It's pretty good. That's pretty damn good. And and they will likely still add another offensive line commitment as well, but regardless of who the fifth guy is, if J.C. Latham moves up like he's projected to, this is the greatest O-line class we have ever seen on paper. And to add to it, the Brockermeyers are from Texas. They're Texas legacies. (laughs) (laughs) J.C. Latham plays at IMG in Florida. And the entire recruiting industry thought he was going to Ohio State. <laughs> and Terrence Ferguson lives in Georgia, about two hours from Athens. And at one point, everybody thought that he was going to Georgia. The staff flexed their muscles to get these guys. Love it. Yeah, I mean, look, we're going to have another first-round top 15 draft pick, you know, coming off that offensive line ne- next year. So yeah. Yeah. they see what truly the results are. You can talk all you want. But nobody, especially offensive line uh, categories, they're not developing and sending these guys to these type of contracts more than Alabama is. No. And by the way, before we go, 
Alabama could have potentially had two more commitments on August 15th. Uh, one of their top defensive back targets is uh, Juco Kyrie Jackson, who probably has my favorite film of anyone in this class and maybe anyone in a long time. Uh, and then Monkel Goodwine, he's a defensive end from Maryland. So that's something to keep keep an eye on in the next couple of weeks. Well, you know, the last person whose film you liked to mention was Jalen Waddle. So you have my attention. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. Kyrie Jackson, and you know, he's not committed yet, so I don't I don't even know. He may not commit to Alabama. But the best way that I can describe him is it's like if if Reuben Foster grew two inches, oh God. Lo- lost some weight, and played corner. Oh hell yeah! So another Reuben missile all day. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna he, check him out. I'm gonna like, tell you this: I know where he's not committing to, and that's gonna be in Star Bowl. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Michael Leach is definitely not securing that commitment. So, all right. This has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Todd. <laughs>